Welcome back to another episode of Time Out with the Sports Doctor. I'm glad that you continue to support this podcast. And, you know, you being here makes this podcast even more important. So just want to thank you for that. And tonight we have a special guest. We have a college professor. We have actually our first college professor on the show in Dr. Timothy Baghurst. Um, he is the, a husband. He's a father. He's a coach. But he's also the director of Florida State University um, FSU Coach Masters Program. So this is a very interesting program and a very important line of study for coaches to better be prepared to deal with our children and our athletes. So I was able to be on his YouTube channel, FSU Coach Live, you know, a little, I guess about a week or so ago now. And, you know, I wanted to bring him onto the podcast to really, you know, educate our audience about the interesting work that he's doing. So hey, very glad to have you here, Dr. Baghurst, and can't wait to hear about your journey. Are you interested in real estate? Are you tired of hearing about all the money that your friends and colleagues are making from their investments, but you don't know where to start? Don't worry, I got you. We are teaming up with Dr. Ronnie Shalev and Shawin Properties to equip you with the tools you need to feel empowered about your investments. So how do you get involved? Do these three things. First, go to my website at drderekthesportsdoctor.com and click on the sponsor link for Shawin Properties. This will give you access to a free webinar as well as the ability to have a discovery call with Dr. Ronnie Shalev. Also follow her on social media. And stay tuned for more helpful tips coming at you on Money Mondays. Now, back to the episode. Well, thank you. Uh, I do think we got to fix your background, though. I mean, some of those teams, Derek, we got <laughs> to fix that. I definitely, definitely have to get you an FSU coach thing in the background for you. Um, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So one thing I like to talk about on this podcast, we don't complain about things that we're not willing to fix. So if you're willing to fix it, it will be behind me. I can, I can contribute. I can't fix right. your your, uh, your choices, but I can contribute to maybe a, a little change there. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I'll tell you what, let's get off on a good foot then. So one of the greatest Florida State alumni football players ever is in the state of Mississippi, Coach Prime, Coach Deion Sanders. So you know, I am able to, I'm working with Jackson State Athletics and been able to, you know, meet Coach Prime and see the excellent work that he's doing here in Jackson. So we definitely salute Florida State, you know, that's where well, it all started. I'll, I'll tell you a little story on that. Uh, I had lunch with one, his track coach uh, on Tuesday. And, uh, okay. and what I was told is I've got some stories for you, Tim. Uh, so uh, coach prime better, better watch out. I, I'm going to be hearing some of those stories. Um, yeah, yeah. anyway, yeah, thanks so much for having me on the show. Sure. Sure. I can only imagine what the track coach, when you have somebody running a four, two on your track team, that makes you sleep well at night. Yeah, it does. <laughs> All right. So you grew up in England, correct? Actually, no, no, no I okay. didn't. And, uh, that's, that's part of the interesting, interesting story. My, my parents are actually missionaries. So okay. I grew up, the, the majority of my childhood was actually in West Africa. So I grew up, I spent five years in Liberia. I spent four years in Ivory Coast or Cote d'Ivoire, uh, as we called it. And uh, it, was a, it was a very interesting childhood, uh, especially in Liberia. I was 
I was the only white kid that that people had ever seen in their life. We we lived in the jungle. Uh, you know, think think no running water, no electricity. You know, in the middle of the jungle. That's that's where I was. And so it was. How a old were you? How old were you? I, I went time? out when I was six, and the last time I was in Africa was when I was nineteen. Um, and a couple of years here and there where, where we came back home, but I spent the majority of my my adolescent life uh, out there. And so a, a very different environment. It was very interesting because as a as a white white kid, I was the minority. And yeah. so I got to see some of the maybe some of the discrimination that might occur as a minority. It, it occurred to me because I was white. And so it was interesting uh, growing up in that environment. So I think that's a very interesting topic that you brought up because growing up in Alabama and growing up, especially in certain parts of the, many parts of the United States where it's not uncommon to be the only black kid in a class or, mm -hmm. you know, on a team. But when that role is reversed, it's usually not something that a lot of people who are the minority, uh, that are the majority get to experience. So Correct. it's very interesting that you grew up in that environment. And how do you feel that that kind of shaped you as an individual? It, it definitely makes me, I mean, we have, we have a, a fair diverse group in our programs and, you know, coaching, coaching brings all sorts, right? Um, yeah. And, and it makes me understand a little bit or appreciate a little bit more those who are coming from a minority background, uh, uh, international students in particular. I was an international student. Uh, I studied in Canada and, and, and then came to the U.S. to study as well. And that was culture shock for me. That was hard for me, even though English is my first language of just everything is done so differently in the U.S. compared to, to other cultures. So it was, it was a, a real challenge to overcome now place yourself in the position of somebody who comes from a country where English is not the first language and you're coming into maybe a U.S. school system where things are done very differently. And it, it really it really made me more cognizant of, of just understanding backgrounds from people. It's really shaped how we developed our masters. So we have a, uh, a sociology uh, class for coaches where we look at some of these um, differences in gender and finances in ethnicity. And we also have something that I've never seen before in a, a, a master's in coaching program. And, and that's um, coaching, coaching internationally. What is it like to coach in a different country? What is it like to coach athletes from a different country? And we've seen a huge, a huge shift in, especially in the NCAA, in how many student athletes are coming from other countries on scholarship because coaches now are willing to recruit from anywhere. Yeah, well, now yeah. you have to integrate that student from Czechoslovakia into freshman class. And oh, by the way, you're also playing soccer or tennis or you name it. And, and it's just a, a huge drop for them of, wow, this is completely different. And it's, it's very hard for those student athletes. So we've developed that class in part because I know what it's like to have been going to another country and playing and studying. And, and it was hard. It was hard. And, and we need to make coaches more understanding of, of those situations. Yeah, no, that's very important. Like you mentioned, when you have a kid literally on the other side of the world from everything that he or she knows, family, friends, culture, 
and you have to really integrate them within a matter of weeks before it's time to start competing. And, you know, you have to keep your grades up and yeah, it sounds like a lot, but yeah. it's good that you're training coaches and equipping them with these tools. But before we get too deep in the FSU coach program, talk, tell us about your journey to getting to where you are as a professor at Florida State University. Yeah, I'll, I'll try and keep it brief. Um, I, as I said, I went to high school in, in West Africa. Um, in England, you, you actually graduate at 16 and you have a choice whether you want to go back to school or whether you want to go into the workforce. And if you want to go back to school, you can go to what's essentially a community college uh, setting, or you can go back into a, a high school. And I chose to go back into the high school to do two more years of training. And how, you, how well you do in that training determines what college you go to. So it's, it's not really GPA, it's national, it's national tests. And, and everybody's compared. Everybody takes the same test on the same day at the same time. And, and how well you do in these tests determine what grades you get. Those grades determine what, what universities you qualify for. And um, so that was a real adjustment for me for, from going from you know, a small, tiny school in West Africa to a big high school in England where it's dog eat dog, we've got to get these grades so that we can go to college. Um, I did okay, I didn't do great. I, I, I was a good student but I didn't get necessarily straight A's. I wasn't that kind of student, even though I worked hard. Yeah. I think the lesson here is you don't have to be brilliant to become successful. You have, to, you have to want it and you have to work hard. And you can make up for deficits in other areas, such as in intelligence or, or, or other areas where other people may just be able to do it, but maybe they do it sporadically or they do it here and there and, and don't put in 100%. If you put in the 100%, you can supersede those people. You can become more successful than those, those people because you're more dedicated. And that's, that's what I was throughout my whole, my whole journey. I went to college and, and again, I wasn't the best student. In year one, I, I was not good at all. I struggled because what is this? Nobody prepared me for this. My parents, my mom finished school at 16. My dad quit at 14. Um, nobody in my, my family had ever gone to college. So I didn't know what I was doing. And that first year was, was hard. Um, it got better and better because I worked and worked and worked and ended up finishing my undergrad in sports science with, um, one of the best GPAs in, in the program. And again, it wasn't because I was some crazy genius. It was because I just, I did the work. And I did it really well, and I put the time and effort into it. Um, one thing I do see a lot of, which occurs in, in college, is students get their degree, but then it's a now what situation. And a lot of degrees don't really prepare you for a career. You know, I'm not going to name degrees, right? I'm not going to throw right. degrees <laughs> under the bus right now. Yeah, but, yeah. but there are degrees, right? If you go and do a degree in physical education, when you come out, you're trained to be a physical education teacher, and mm -hmm. that's your career path. But there's other degrees where you come out, and I'll, I'll be the first, sports science. What do you do with that? Right. What, what kind of job do you qualify for? And, and I got stuck with that. I kind of like, I don't know what to do. Nobody's mentored me on job searches or interview technique. And so in many ways, I, I went on to grad school because I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. 
Uh, I went to grad school in Wales and I did a master's in sport and exercise psych, which was fantastic. I, I loved it. And then I was like, what do I do? I was working part-time. Uh, I had a part-time job while I was doing that. And, and again, I kind of, I'm not sure. So uh, I, I said, you know what? I'm going to try and do a PhD. And so I went and interviewed to do a PhD. Had no idea what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Nobody told me what questions I was going to be asked. I felt like a complete fool when I interviewed because I couldn't answer the questions that were being asked. And not surprisingly, they said, no, we don't want you as a student. Okay. Um, and bear in mind, England systems very a little different. In the US, right, we tend to be a little bit more, uh, the process is different. In England, you work very closely with somebody for mm-hmm. three, four years, and that person determines whether you get the, the, the opportunity to, to do the doctorate. And, and they said, no. And I was like, okay, now what do I do? Yeah. You know, I've, I've always thought about being a teacher, and there was a little scholarship to be a teacher, to train to be a teacher. So I'm going to be a teacher. Um, so I, I entered a, a teaching program. Um, again, not really sure where I was going, what I was doing. It was a year-long process, kind of like an MAT, Master's in Teaching Equivalent. Spent a year uh, learning to teach, going into schools and, and doing all that, and came out, came out as a certified teacher. By then, I knew at least, okay, I got a career path. I'm going to be a teacher. I'm going to teach PE. And, and I ended up getting a, a job teaching at a community college to 16, 17, 18-year-olds in, in England where, uh, where I taught for a year. Um, I'd, I'd gotten married by then, and I realized England was not the place I wanted to live. My wife was American. I'd been to the U.S. a few times, and, and here we are in England. And if you've never been, have you been to England? I have not, no. Okay. Uh, if you go to England, you go in the summer. Okay. Kind of June, July, August, right? Yeah. Nice, nice weather. I mean, it gets a little warm, but it's nice. You go any any other time, damp, cold, yeah. wet, expensive, cramped. Um, and and that was what we experienced for nine months of like, why, why are we doing this? I'm not getting paid well. Uh, we live in this small place. There's no room. Our family don't live here. Let's go to the US. And well, how do you get to the US? Well, one of the easiest ways is as an international student. Student. So that's what we that's what we did. I applied as an international student, got uh, an opportunity to go to Texas, Midwestern State, get a, a master's in kinesiology there. I got a teaching assistantship, which obviously helped financially a little bit. Um, and so then, all right, now what do I do? Right? I've got three master's degrees. I don't have a green card. Um what do I do? Yeah. And so there'd been talk of, well, you know, we want to keep you here. We want to, we want you to teach in our classes. We, we like you. We'll help you with your green card stuff and things. Uh, so lesson number two in this one, well, I guess number three, number two, find a mentor, right? Find somebody to help you with, with getting through this. And that was a huge mistake for me. I just didn't even, nobody told me to do that. Nobody helped me with that. And so I, I really floundered. Um, now, we could argue that floundering really benefited me later, but but I really floundered. Um, uh, number three, I think, is a good lesson here. Uh, when somebody promises something, don't take them at their word hmm. because talk is cheap. And I've had too many times where people have promised, 
opportunities, jobs, positions, um, money, you know, money opportunities, and it's never happened. And, yeah, and I've, yeah. that happened in, in that situation where I was like, oh, I went back to my wife. They're going to get me a job. But we're going to stay here. I'm going to you. Uh, she was like, no, you need, to go, <laughs> you need to go get your Ph.D. I was like, we yeah, have but you know, we got a kid on the way and I can I can have a full time job and in insurance. And she was like, if you don't get your Ph.D., you'll, for, you'll regret it for the rest of your life. So lesson number four, listen to your spouse. <laughs> that's it that's it that's lesson number house. one and number four right? well yeah we'll start with number one uh but but uh she was right um so i went to arkansas i did my phd in in physical education um my my love had always been sports psych but i'd also realized sports psych is a very very competitive field to get into and actually get a, a real job that actually pays well i think it's it's still a challenge um we we could talk about that another time, but uh, physical education is, is something I knew there was going to be demand for when I graduated. Ended up staying at Arkansas for a year. Um, the, the economy crashed. I lost my job. That wasn't fun. Um, ended up getting a, another job in, at a small school in Arkansas. I had to take a pay cut. Uh, that's not fun to, to go tell your spouse, hey, we're, we're moving to the, the back of beyond and I'm taking less money. Yeah. Um, but I think number five is you do what you have to to provide for your family. And, and if that means taking a job that you don't really want or taking a pay cut because you need to get paid, you do it because your family comes first. Um, so we went we went there for three years and then an opportunity opened up at Oklahoma State, applied for that one, got that one and uh, and spent seven years there um, was was at Oklahoma State and I was teacher, I was teacher training, PE teachers. And I went into the schools one, one day and I was supervising an intern in the schools and there was a teacher, you know, standing by the side, right? It was her class. And, um, and she said, well, I got to go in a few minutes. Looked at her watch. It's like, where are you going? She said, I got to go to the high school and coach tennis. Well, um, without being too judgmental, I played tennis in college and said individual didn't really look like a tennis player. And, and so I was like, oh, I, I, I didn't know you played tennis. Um, well, you know, where'd you play in college or whatever? She goes, oh, I, I've never played tennis. Like, Wait, what? You're, yeah. you're coaching <laughs> tennis and you've never played? Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, the light bulbs went off in my head, like what, what in the world? So I went back to our college dean and I said, I, I think we got a problem in Oklahoma by the way, which is in other states too, where we have coaches coaching who don't really know how to coach. And sport, right. Yeah. Their sport or maybe even anything. So I said, I want to investigate this. So she said, okay, go for it. So I actually started investigating and found out that Oklahoma has almost no requirements to be a coach. You're just a warm body. And so I, I went back and said, I think we need to do something about this. And we started a undergraduate minor in coaching, which uh, after a couple of years developed into a major in coaching. And then we started a, a master's option, like a component of a master's for, for people who wanted to be coaches or wanted to get better as coaches. And, uh, and those started growing and, and uh, the dean here at FSU heard about what I was doing and he'd just taken the job here and he said, hey, uh, I wanna do something at FSU. Okay. 
well, rule number, uh, I think it was three, talk is cheap, right? <laughs> yeah. I've heard it all before. So yeah, okay, whatever. Well, he came through. And, and what he did is he hired me here at FSU in 2019 to start a center for coaching education. So it's the only one in the country. And yes, we offer a graduate certificate. We offer a master's, but we also really support sports organizations and, and coaches out in the community with best practices and knowledge and, and training in, in what I think a university should do, which is give back to the community as, as much as they can. So I'm really excited to be here and, and to be involved in more than just, hey, come take our program. It's really good. And it is, yeah. by the way. But, you know, we're, it, that's what a university does to pay the bills. But now let's also try to help people out there who maybe don't have the resources to do a master's or the time to do a master's where we can help in some way to, to make coaches better at what they do. Yeah, I mean, what an interesting path from, like you mentioned, Africa to England, you know, three masters, a PhD, yeah. multiple jobs, but every step has contributed to what you're doing now. I exactly. mean, you can see how unique your path is, but how unique the program is that you're running now, simply because you've done all this stuff. So, you know, as you're talking, I just hear that no steps are wasted, you know, Exactly. The process. Enjoy each day, each step, you know, up, down, whatever it is, it's all shaping us and to be a unique individual. So there's no other Timothy Baghurst out there right. for sure. A hundred percent. You're right. We we tend to look back on, on things with regret, right? Decisions yeah. of why did I spend so much time in school? Why yeah. did I go into this or study this? And yet now I look back and go, well, I learned all these disciplines that involve coaching. Yeah. And now I can bring all of those experiences back into developing a program, which, which we believe is, is the best in the country. And it's not just me, obviously, but those experiences allow us to make something else better. And too often we, we look back with, oh, we should have never done that. I wish I'd have never made that decision. Uh, well, if you'd never made that decision, you might have made another decision, which would have stopped this from happening down the road. So you just don't know. So you're right. It's it's a process where we learn from things and we get better at what we do. And as long as we have that intention of getting better from learning from the mistakes, there's less regret involved. Absolutely. And, you know, you mentioned an important thing that now what phenomenon of I have this degree, what do I do with it? And this is not the time in finances from a financial standpoint, from a workforce standpoint that, hey, I'm just going to go to college because people go to college because you need to graduate with a skill that will translate to the workplace. You know, just having a fancy sounding degree with, unfortunately, you know, a big bag of loans mm -hmm. dragging behind you. What are you going to do with that? So. Yeah. That's why, as you mentioned, mentorship is so important. Exposure is so important. Actually get into the workplace, find somebody who's doing that job that you think you want to do and actually talk to them. What do you not like about your job? What do you like about your job? You know, what do you think about the job opportunities? Is there only one job in each state for this degree that I'm getting or are there jobs everywhere? You know, so those are really things you have to think about 
yeah. you know, when you're trying to pick a major or pick a career. The Sabre training bat is like no other training bat you've ever used before. So the purpose of the Sabre training bat with its modified barrel is so that you can perfectly sequence and get behind the ball, getting the bat on plane sooner, creating less miss hits, more line drives, higher batting averages, and more exit velocity. The Sabre training bat is the number one training bat on the market. Sabre Bats, the training bat that's gonna take you to your best swing. I had an athletic director come into one of my classes once to speak to my class and and uh he told them he said it's not what you know it's who you know yes. and everybody did exactly what you just did nodded their head like yeah i'm gonna remember that <laughs> and uh the the athletic director left and when I, I asked the class i said what did you learn from this ad and of course they repeat the phrase it's not what you know it's who you know networking's huge i said yeah it is i said but what if he's wrong <laughs> what? I said, what if you got the phrase a little bit wrong? I said, what if it's it's what you know and who you know? Because sometimes we rely on the networking, but don't have the training and knowledge that we need in order to take advantage of that networking when the opportunity is there. And, and too often I've heard a, a student tell me, oh, you know, my dad's got this, he's going to, you know, He's a coach here. He's going to put me in this position. I got a friend who's going to hook me up here. Oh, that's great, right? The networking's great. But if you haven't learned anything in your training and your programming, they're going to quickly find out that was a huge mistake. Oh, absolutely. That, that network's going to break down real fast. And then that person is going to go, well, I got to think twice about making recommendations. So the emphasis is on that, that grind that I talked about earlier of working hard and being ready for when the opportunity is there. Network, get the mentorship, and then when that opportunity is available, take advantage of it and show that you know what you're doing and you can be successful. And unfortunately, in the world of coaching, uh, a I think a, a lot of coaches, unfortunately, don't do that. They, they, get the, they get the in, they may have some success, but to them that's that's enough and and i can't tell you how many I've, I've seen coaches who have been required to get professional development being shoved into the classroom because they have to have it and they don't want it well i mean you see my record uh, yeah okay <laughs> couldn't your record be better maybe it's you can help more kids transition through your program with less damage or maybe more support so that they become more successful. Uh, this is really a drive for getting better, having that growth mindset. And, and in coaching, it's, it's, it's a struggle to, to get coaches to, to want to do that. And, and I'll also add that it's not just the want, it's the cost. And for a lot of coaches, they don't get paid very well. The stipend is low. And then you're asking them to, to drop more. hundreds to go to a conference, to drop thousands yeah. to get a master's degree, where they go, what's the back end? Where's the incentive on the backside? And you go, yeah, you're right. You may not get much of a raise in your school system or in your college where you're coaching. Um, and so the students that we tend to have 
or those growth mindset students who say, I don't care. I just really want to be good at what I do. And you know what, Derek, that's a lot of fun to teach, teach students like that because I oh, yeah. <laughs> don't have to drive them. Right. Uh, yeah. The work, Once they're bought in, it's the easy. work that, that, that I get is, is really good here at FSU because we that's have great. students who really want to do well. And that's cool. That's excellent. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny the way you spun that about is not what you know, it's who you know, but it's really both. Yep. And I think it comes out depending on maybe even socioeconomic status, who's saying that? Because when I say that statement, you better already be prepared. You know, that's a given. Yeah, because but I know that you can't it? come to the table, right? <laughs> because if you come to the table, especially if the doors aren't already open, if you're a first generation, you name it, you come to the table with knowing someone and you still are going to be short. Now, if your dad is this big CEO, you might be able to move a little bit differently. But for the people that I'm walking with and talking to, you better have your stuff together. And they know that from the jump. So now, yeah. a lot of times we get one shot, right? Oh, yeah. We get one shot uh, at whatever it is that we're trying to achieve. And, and if we're not prepared for that because we've been slacking and watching Netflix or skipping classes or you know, not going to work on time, whatever it may be, we'll pay the price for that, right? People notice, just like, you know, our kids notice what we do as parents, you know, our, employ our employer is going to know what we do as an employee. They're aware of what we're doing, right? As a, an athlete, a coach knows what the athlete's doing. An athlete knows what the coach is doing. And so it's those consistent habits that really determine whether you're going to get that mentorship, that recommendation, et cetera. I agree hundred percent. So let's talk about your FSU coach program and it's a virtual program. So tell us everyone about, you know, how the program is run as well as financial aid for your program. Sure. Yeah. Financial aid's a biggie. Uh, we'll come to that. We got two programs. We've got two. Uh, one is a graduate certificate, which is four classes. And that is, we, we really cover the nuts and bolts of coaching, right? We're trying to cover as much as we can in those four classes to make you a better coach. And then if you want to go deeper, we have the master's degree, which is 10 classes. And it includes those four classes. But, but then we go into the, the, the more complex stuff, the sociology of sport. We look at motor learning. We look at, at researching coaching, right? What do we learn from research to make us better at what we do? We look at sports psych. Um, we look at the international coaches. So it, it really extends the, the entry-level certificate. One of the neat, a couple of neat things about this program, we, we built this program from scratch. And uh, most universities, when they develop a program, will pull classes from different areas. And when I was at Oklahoma State, I had to do that. I went to nutrition, said, hey, can we have a, a nutrition class? Can our students take this? I went to sport media, I went to sport management, exercise science, and so on. And then we pull it all together. We have a couple of few coaching classes and, oh, look, we got our degree in coaching. It looks good. Right. The, the huge problem with this is, um, I mean, you're, you're in sports medicine, right? And, mm -hmm. and so if you're teaching medicine to somebody who's not in sports, who is in a completely different field, one I can't think of right now, you're not really likely to know that field right so foreign language sports yeah. medicine right well we have the same problem in in academics where uh we may see a 
a student going to sports nutrition and they're talking about things that have no no relationship to coaching right. and so they go well i'm learning all this information but it's really not relevant to me on the road at 1 a.m with 30 kids in a bus and i've got to eat something yeah Absolutely. uh so what we did is we built this entire thing from scratch. Every class is brand new. Uh, every class has the word coach or coaching in it. Every class is taught by a current or former coach. We wanted to make it applicable to the people who are in it. And, and the other thing, which is pretty neat, typically what happens when you go into a, a master's program like this is you come in and I say, okay, you're teaching, you're taking six hours here, six hours here, six hours here, six hours here. But you may have a crazy busy schedule this fall in your job, in your family, whatever's going on. And six hours, it just isn't feasible for you. And too bad, Derek, you're taking six. You're in this program. Well, how much are you really going to learn when you're just trying to skate through these classes to survive? Uh, so what we did is we did kind of a flexible enrollment where you can choose how many classes you take each semester to allow you to work around your coaching schedule, to work around your, your life schedule so that you get it done and actually get it done and learn something in the process. Um, so, we, so we try to do that as well. And then the third thing, which is fairly unusual is, is we don't do tests. And I know you went to med school, so you know tests, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And this is a, there's value in tests. But I find that most test taking is how much can I cram in a short time to remember Absolutely. to regurgitate on a piece of paper to make my professor happy. And, and then we, it and move on. <laughs> yeah. And then when we look at retention, the retention doesn't happen. So why am I doing that to coaches? Rather, I would rather you read this article, reflect on this article and write your, your thoughts on this tying it into other articles that, that, that are re read over here so that you're thinking about how you coach or how you can be a better coach. To me, that's way more valuable than the fact that you know at what age kids should be throwing overarm versus underarm. It, th there's a textbook for that, right? You can go to your textbook and read it. You don't have to have it memorized. That's where we try to make it more practical and applicable than you know, just just come in and do what might be traditionally done. Um, I don't think that works well for our population. I think our population really want to discuss, share, integrate ideas with each other and and really see what's going on in, in research to make them better at what they do. Right. And you're talking to coaches that many times established coaches who already know yeah. their sport, but they know more than us. The intangibles, correct. Yeah, 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 and we don't teach the X's and O's. I'm not going to teach you, you know, how to how to throw a ball like like um, uh, Deshaun Jackson. I'm seeing your Baltimore helmet. I'm, I'm <laughs> um, you know, I, I'm not going to or I'm not going to teach you that. But I can teach you all the ancillary things about how to make him motivated, uh, how to handle anxiety, how to prepare nutritionally, how to train them um, outside of the the field. These are the areas where coaches often don't get very much training. And, and statistically, 90% of, uh, this is true, I, I had, I, on my YouTube channel, I, I got told this, 90% of the training that coaches get is in X's and O's. 
Well, why like why then do I raise kids, right? It doesn't no. teach children how to be adults. <laughs> right. So why would I spend the majority of our master's degree teaching 90% of X's and O's? No, let's teach the 10% that, that really is missing. And let's build that up. You did ask about financial aid. Uh, a couple of cool things that are that are relevant right now. Uh, we we have scholarships at FSU Coach. They're they're not massive, but I was able to give about seventy five percent of the applicants this past year some kind of scholarship that to help. Uh, we do have one which is really really neat and really new. We have what's called the AC scholarship, which is um, a new one for FSU. It's twelve thousand dollars towards out-of-state students because clearly out-of-state tuition is much higher than in-state. In-state is very competitive with any program in the country, but out-of-state is challenging. And so FSU are doing this as kind of a pilot of for the first 10 out-of-state students in the spring and the first 10 in the summer, they get a $12,000 scholarship towards their, their program. So it really makes it very competitive with any in-state program in the country Let's not forget FSU is one of the top, top 20 universities in the country and our college has a top 20 graduate programs in the country. So it's not just, oh, I'm, I'm getting a cheaper education. You're getting a cheaper education from one of the best programs in, in the country. So that scholarship's very cool because no other program in, in, at FSU has it. Yeah. And, you know, when I first read about the program, I was like, wow, this is very interesting because we want our coaches to be well-equipped because many times a coach could be playing the role of a parent, you know, and that's not far-fetched to think about. No. Because so many athletes spend more time with their coach than they do with their actual parents. 100%. And they lean on them for guidance and for, you know, sometimes even a meal or clothing or whatever it may be. So to be equipped is not X's and O's. You need to be well-equipped. So I think the way that you're training your coaches is going to benefit everyone, not just the actual coach. It's going to benefit the community that they move into uh, to take over the, the, the school program or whatever athletic team they're coaching. Yeah, I mean, you could say the same for your field, right? If you spend oh, your yeah, entire absolutely. training learning to identify, diagnose, and treat, but you never learn how to interact with a human being, you could actually be brilliant at what you do, but nobody wants to work with you because you're, you don't listen or you right. don't care. And, and personal so, skills. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I could be brilliant at coaching and all my athletes hate me and never want to see me again when they leave because I'm not really a good coach. Absolutely. So on this podcast, this next line might have never rang as true as it is in this moment. So on Time Out with the Sports Doctor, this is your final timeout. So to a coach, that makes you cringe probably a little bit. You got to know you have to use that timeout wisely. But, you know, you've done a good job of telling what this program is about. And I think the program sells itself because if you want to separate yourself as a coach, then this is the program to be a part of. But what would you tell a coach or an athlete who's interested in becoming a coach why should they do a program like this and not just accept a job and try to go see if they can get a good record? Yeah, it's a really good question. And I think there's a couple of reasons. The first one is your, as you alluded to, your job is to take care of kids and adults, right? Because we've got professional athletes, international athletes, 
Your job is to take care of them and, and to make sure that their experience is a good one and that they come out better for it. And if you don't have that training, you're going to make a lot of mistakes along the way and you're going to hurt some kids along the way. And so you're not really doing what, what, you're, what you should be doing. Um, so it's, it's just that lack of knowledge of how you do things or how you shouldn't do things that's imperative. The second one, I think, is, is more financial. Here's the argument that, that I do sometimes hear of just, well, it's too expensive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a master's degree isn't cheap, right? I've got three of them. I know. We're paying <laughs> some student loans, all right? Yeah, you yeah. went to med school. That wasn't Absolutely. cheap. Not but, but you were willing to invest in that for a long-term goal. I was willing to invest for a long-term goal. I knew eventually, eventually, I knew what I wanted to do, which is why I went to do the PhD, which was a lot of time, money, sacrifice for me and my family because I had a long-term goal. And sometimes you got to give up something good to get something better. Absolutely. When we look at it financially, let's say, for example, you do a master's degree, you're a school teacher, you do a master's degree and you get a thousand dollar a year raise. Let's say theoretically you're in Florida, maybe you get the scholarship and the, we'll just say 15,000, right? To do your master's. Well, you look at that and you go, well, I'm not going to do the master's because it's going to take me 15 years to pay that off. Sure. If that's how you want to look at it, that's true. But let me give you a, a different example. If you, be, if you go and do that master's and invest that $15,000, you're going to be a better coach. And if you're a better coach, sure, you're going to get that $1,000. But if you're going to be a better coach, you're going to be more successful. And if you're more successful, there's more opportunities. And those more opportunities lead to promotions. They lead to new, new financial opportunities, speaking engagements, training. Maybe you become a trainer one day. That's where you have to start to understand that if you just want to look at it financially, there's more to it than just, oh, I get a stipend when I graduate. Is it going to be worth Absolutely. it? This is about, I mean, I could have stopped with my master's, right? And I guarantee you, I wouldn't be in the position I am today. And I probably wouldn't be getting the salary I am today because I only have a master's. Mm -hmm. And so I would be stuck at a certain level at universities forever. But I was willing to take that risk and, and make that financial investment to say, I'm going to pay this off one day. But right now, I know that if I get this, uh, my it's going to change my family tree. We're going to go somewhere else with this. And I have to recognize that I don't see that yet, right? I don't have the contract in hand if you get your PhD or we're going to give you this much money. It is a, this is what's going to happen because I'm going to work to make this happen. And so I think students, people who are interested in the coaching program, interested in getting better as coaches, have to look at it a little different to just the nuts and bolts of, if I do this, then I get this. Great explanation for sure. And part of it, as I talk about a lot on this podcast, is delayed gratification. Oh, yeah. That's a great yeah. term. Yeah. All right. So tell everyone how they can follow along with you, how they can you know, meet you, how they can learn more about this program. Sure. Uh, easiest way to get a hold of me is just email me at tbaghurst, B-A-G-H-U-R-S-T at fsu.edu. You can also find me all over social media, LinkedIn, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. I think I'm on all of those. And, um, you know, just send me a message. That's the easiest way. If you want to learn more about the program, 
just go to Florida State University and look for FSU coach. And fingers crossed, it doesn't pull up 17,000 videos of football coaches at FSU. <laughs> um, but hey, just do FSU coach Baghurst, you'll find me. Uh, but but really, we're we're really excited to, to have this master's. It's only a year old. It's growing. And uh, we're, we're enjoying it as instructors. We're learning a lot, too. And, and we hope anybody interested uh, can learn from it as well. Absolutely. Well, thank you for coming on. I know it's been a long day. And even more importantly, thank you for the work that you're doing to better coaches in the community. Oh, thank you, Derek. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Thank you for continuing to support this podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, then please leave a five-star review. And if you haven't done so, subscribe so you continue to get the updated episodes. Until later, peace. Listen.